Proverbs chapter 29, we'll, see, we'll read uh, just one verse here. Proverbs 29, verse number 18, and then we'll pray. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for uh, just tonight. Father, I thank you for all the folks that have been faithful to their place. And Lord, we've already had a busy day. And it feels as though we went home and ate and just turned right back around. And so Lord, over these next few moments, I pray that we'll be open, we'll be attentive to your word. May you speak to us. Lord, give me the right words to say. Lord, fill me with your spirit at this moment. Uh, have me only to say the things that you would have me to say and withhold anything you'd have me not to say. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. It was a sunny, cloudless Saturday morning in Lancaster, California, just north of Los Angeles. I was in my dormitory, and I, I woke at the crack of dawn, probably about 5.30 or so in the morning, and I was excited. This day was going to be set apart like none other. Uh, just outside Los Angeles, near Santa Monica Pier, there was going to be an event that uh, somebody had purchased tickets for me to go see. It was a golf event. And uh, I had never been to a golf event before, but hey, I, I, I've been to a football game, been to a hockey game, I've been to a baseball game. Why don't I go see a, a golf tournament? This is going to be a lot of fun. So I rose up early in the morning and I made sure my, my phone was charged. My ticket was actually on my phone. I didn't have a paper copy or anything. And, and so I arose, made sure my car had gas, and, and uh, I head on my way. Went down the road on the highway. I plugged my, my phone into uh, to the car, and I was listening to music, and I had uh, my navigation turned on, and I'm going. It was probably about an hour, maybe hour and a half journey uh, down to this golf course. And I'm heading down there. And uh, I'm just enjoying my time, and I remember I couldn't have asked for a more beautiful day. The sun was uh, just coming up over the horizon of, of these hills of, of the desert there, and I'm coming down into now what um, the, the Los Angeles Valley area, and I'm able to see the city, and I'm getting closer and closer to my destination, and, and I pull up to the golf course, and I wasn't really thinking uh, I had arrived just a little bit late, but not too much, and I pull up, and, and the, the security's out there, and they say, no, you can't park here, you're going to have to go uh, about 15 minutes down the road and park right on the Santa Monica Pier uh, area, and uh, you're going to have to either take an Uber or find the bus that'll take you up here, and one way or another, you're going to have to either walk or find some kind of uh, commute to get from the parking lot to the actual golf course, so I, uh, I got back in my car, and I continued down the road, and I'm completely lost, never been in this area before, and I finally find these huge stretches of, of parking lot, and uh, just miles and miles, football fields upon football fields, uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of spots, and finally I just pull in, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, what do I do now? Uh, I guess I, I probably get an Uber, and an Uber can take me from here all the way up into the golf course, drop me off, then I don't have to worry about anything else, and uh, at the end of the day, I'll just call an Uber again, it'll take me right back. So I grab my phone and I, I look at it, and unfortunately, I thought I had plugged in my phone, but it wasn't in all the way, and I found out my battery was at 4%. Between the music, between the navigation, and the heat of that day, 
it just drained my battery to just about nothing. And I sat there and I panicked a little bit. My ticket is on my phone. If my phone is dead, I'm not getting into this event. So I scramble for a little bit and I'm Turn the car back on. I plug the phone back in. I'm hoping over the next few moments as this Uber is going to come and pick me up that maybe I'll get just enough juice to get in there, get a few pictures, and my, my phone's going to die. Uh, and, and so we'll see what happens. I don't know how I'm going to get back, but hey, all I need to do right now is just get to the golf tournament, make sure I get in with this ticket, maybe take a, a couple pictures, uh, and then just hopefully everything will work its way out from there. So that's what I do, and the Uber arrives, and I think I get my phone maybe up to about 10%. My phone up to 10%, and I jump in the car, and I ask the Uber driver, he's, he's got loud music blaring, I say, hey, sir, would you mind if I just plugged in my phone real quick, and, and uh, I'm just really low on a charge. He says, sure. So he plugs in my phone, and as soon as I plug in my phone, uh, his blaring rock music just turns to uh, Christian gospel music. And he turns to me so fast, he's like, what is this? And I said, sir, it's just my music. You, you feel free, turn off, or, or you can continue listening if you want. Uh, so he turns it off, and we continue in silence for the remainder of, of the trip. And finally I arrive and unplug my phone. I get out, and I walk up to the, to the, uh, the, the ticket station there. I hand over my phone, and... Uh, and I get to take two pictures. I get two pictures of the golf course. I think uh, maybe one of, of a player that I knew. And uh, right after that, boom, phone gone. All right, I don't know how I'm getting back, but one way or another, we got what we needed. We're in the tournament. I got to enjoy the entire day. Walked around the course several times. Got to see a bunch of the players and just had a good time. Well, finally, the event ended. Everybody had played through. And, and I'm starting to think to myself, what am I going to do? So I just kind of follow the crowd. Everybody else seems to know what they're doing. I follow the crowd, and I'm waiting in this long line, come to find out the line is to a bus. Well, the bus is, is headed to Santa Monica. I don't know where in Santa Monica, but one way or another, I'm taking this bus because this is going to get me closer than where I am right now. So I jump on the bus and travel uh, back down the hill and, and now into the Santa Monica City and, and uh, drops me off, and I don't know where I am, but... Uh, I'm trying to be as, uh, as prepared as I can be and just observant of all my surroundings. And I know, well, the ocean's this way. And I know I was parked pretty close to the ocean, so I start traveling that way and walk down the street. And, and I get all the way out of the city. Now I, I just see stretches of beach. And I think to myself, well, I think my car is just south of here. So I'll keep walking, and, and hopefully, eventually, I'll get to my, my car. And I remember walking, and it was a beautiful day, like I had said, but something dawned on me. I look over into the horizon, and I see that the sun is about to set. And I say, I don't know that this day could get any worse. And I wondered to myself, a little bit of fear crept into myself, and thought, what are you going to do when there is no light in this area? How are you going to find your way? And tonight, we're going to look at this passage, Proverbs. We're going to go over to Ephesians in just a little bit. But I, say, I tell you that story to say, Jesus is the light that lighteth every man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same uh, came to witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus lights Every man that comes into the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14 through 16 reminds us, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We read these passages of Scripture and I think sometimes we take our 21st century mind and put it in context with this 1st century uh, passage here. What we have to do is take ourselves out of today's day and age and try to uh, see how things were when it came to light in the 1st century. I'll tell you today, uh, in the 1st century, there was no such thing as a light bulb. There was no light switches. If you needed light... Uh, there was no on-demand, right? We didn't have a clapper. Clap on, clap off. Anybody remember that? Okay? That was a little bit before my era, but uh, that was just so catchy. It just traveled on for another generation. But there was no light bulbs. There were no switches. Light was scarce. The scarcity of light meant stewardship of time and resources. There were early risers back then. Right? You didn't rise up when your alarm went off. The sun was your alarm. You worked until the sun went down. Once the sun went down, you can't work anymore. There was no craftsman big light you can just plug in and, and it just beams. There were no cars you could pull up and turn your high beams on and continue working. When the sun went down, that was it. That scarcity meant they were to steward their light. It means that they were steward their time, their resources. When the sun set, there wasn't much else that could be done. Preparation was needed, and the candle was going to be lit. If you didn't have a candle lit by the time the sun went down, you had to feel around for hours, maybe ask a neighbor. Light was delicate. Light was shared. Light was passed on. Light only lasted as long as the wax source. And as I mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 5, we are the light of the world. In essence, we are like the wick. However, the Spirit who lives and abides in us, who empowers us, is the wax. Romans chapter 6, verse number 12 through 13 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield yourselves as instruments, he were there, of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead. And This word again, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. To illustrate this, there was a doctor who was speaking at a medical college in India. He was speaking on this specific passage of Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In front of the lectern was an oil lamp with its cotton wick burning from uh, the, the, the shallow dish of oil. As he preached, the lamp ran out of oil. And the wick burned dry. 
and the smoke made him cough. He immediately used this opportunity and said, Some of us here are like this wick. We're trying to shine for the glory of God, but we stink. That's what happens when we use ourselves as the fuel of our witness rather than the Holy Spirit. Wicks can last indefinitely, burning brightly and uh, without irritating smoke if the fuel of the Holy Spirit is in constant supply. And so you and I today, while the Bible says that we are the light, we are mere instruments. It is the Holy Spirit, it is God Himself that empowers us, that gives us the ability to let off any light at all. And as we look, I want you to turn here to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to park and and spend most of our time out of this passage of Scripture, but Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read 17 verses here in just a moment. One of the main concepts of Ephesians is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you read the first two chapters, you find uh, that the Holy Spirit is our seal. And I believe I, I preached a message here maybe about a year ago on this very subject about... Uh, the Holy Spirit. One of the key um, the keys to maintaining a good light is to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, very important, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to find out what therefore is therefore. And uh, you look at the context of this, the chapter begins with the unity of the Holy Spirit in chapter 4 and continues into the walk of a Christian. So now we're coming into context at the end of chapter 4, into chapter 5, verse number 2, "...and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, but fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather give thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with uh, vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were uh, sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all godliness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord hath no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Because all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and then arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light." See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Last verse. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Tonight, we're going to dive into this passage of Scripture and find five aspects of light that will help us to be brighter lights 
in this dark world. Within each of these aspects, we're going to see how God uh, reflects this and also how we reflect the light of God. Number one, if you have your notes, if you have a pen, to write this, this down, light shines. Light shines. What a deep statement that is. Light shines. That was worth the price of admission. Amen? Light shines. What do I mean by that? It influences, light always influences what is around it. Uh, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, Ephesians 5.1 says. Light always influences what, is, what it's shining on. Followers merely means imitators. Be ye imitators of God. We think of this word, Christian, that's so usefully used in our culture today. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. The origin of that word comes from uh, the church, the early church, that uh, they, were, they, were, uh, they were followers of God. They, they were known as being little Christs. And so today, this passage is saying, be a Christian, be a little Christ, be a Christ imitator, as dear children. Well, that doesn't mean a doe, or a baby deer, rather, right? Uh, That means, the word deer means favor, means favor. Um, I've been working now with our teenagers here for just over a year, about a year and three months now, and uh, I love all of our teenagers, but sometimes I don't like them. And if you've had kids any amount of time, you know that you are to love your children, but sometimes they do things that you don't like. And I found what I think to be kind of an ingredient for when I like uh, certain people is, is, number one, are they listening? Are they listening? I don't enjoy being around somebody that thinks they know it all. And I particularly don't enjoy a teenager that thinks they know it all, Right? You're trying to help them. You see they're going down a dangerous path. You see that, that they're in a relationship with somebody that's going to be a harm to them or they're involved in a substance that's going to be a harm to them. But I know the consequences. I know how to handle this and I get it. I know how to... And they don't listen. You're trying to teach them. You're trying to warn them. And they continue down this wrong path. When the preaching of God's Word comes forth, you say, ah, I already know that. And what can this person teach me that I don't already know? Uh, I don't think I need to come on Sunday night. I don't think I need to come on Wednesday night. Pastor Andrew's not going to give me anything I don't already know. Pastor Luzerne's not going to give me anything I already know. I should be the one actually behind this lectern giving it out to everybody else because I've mastered the Bible. Right? Maybe we're not, that, uh, we're not that arrogant, but maybe there is a level of all of us where the preaching of the Word comes forth and we kind of just zone out. We're not willing to listen when God's telling us to do something or He's uh, reminding us of a truth that we're going to need in the days ahead and we say, ah, I'm okay, I'm okay. When I was young, I, uh, my parents had moved from uh, Philadelphia up to, to Lancaster. We had a big stretch of property. We had just about uh, two acres and it was, it was all grass. There was a little house in there and a whole bunch of grass. And, and um, we had struck a deal with the previous owner to leave the tractor that was there. And I love that tractor. That thing had some zip, and I, it was a zero turn, so I'd be, I'd be out there all the time working this thing. And I had a good time. And finally, the end of the first year came around, beginning of the second year of grass cutting. And, and my father had shown me uh, what I need to do. And he was telling me what I need to do to change the oil and get the tractor ready for the new season. So I'm standing there, and I've, 
I've listened to my dad for years. I've seen him change oil in the car many times. And, and I just kind of was nonchalant. I wasn't really writing anything down. Like, yeah, dad, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. I got this. And so finally my dad, uh, the next day, went out to work. He had the expectation that I was going to go out there and change the oil in his tractor. So I said, okay, I got this. And so I went in the garage, tried to grab all the tools, and I went out there. And, and uh, I remember my dad telling me specifically what uh, size uh, 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 wrench I needed to get, get the, uh, the uh, oil bolt off and all that, the drain plug off. And, uh, and so I started to do so, and I, I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't really uh, listening to all the warnings that my father had given. How many of you are dads? You give a lot of warnings because you've made a lot of mistakes. And so you're trying to give those same mistakes out. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I wasn't picking that up. So I'm out there, and I'm not really paying attention. And I grab this, this little wrench, and I, I start twisting, and it's, it's not coming off. It's not working right. And I'm uh, getting frustrated, and, and I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I listened to my father. And I go inside, and I'm just willing to admit defeat, have him come home, be angry, and, you know, probably, probably get punished. But, uh, you know, eat some humble pie and say, Dad, I didn't listen to you. Well, what I didn't realize is that I, uh, when I left that site, I had actually loosened the uh, drain plug just enough where oil was seeping out. And, uh, and it got everywhere. I mean, the entire garage was flooded in oil. I didn't know. I had no clue. And my dad comes home. Already he asked me. He's like, do you change the oil? No, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I didn't pay attention. You show me. So my dad goes outside. And, and uh, I think I, I may have even been just still sitting on the couch. And all of a sudden, my dad, shoo! Why is there oil all over? I'm running out there. I see this oil. And man, I am embarrassed. I learned that lesson that day that it's time to listen. But secondly, it's time to obey. God loves us all the time, but He likes when we listen, preferably the first time. And He likes us when we obey, when we do what is being said. We're not to be just hearers of the Word, but we are to be doers of the Word. We obey. Uh, in, in every place, in every uh, area of life, we should be obeying the voice of God. We should be obeying the teachers that are above us. And so what this passage of Scripture is saying is, hey, uh, be, be followers, be imitators of God as dear children, favored children, uh, children that listen, children that obey. And as we do so, as we heed the light of the Lord in our life, we're able to reflect that onto others. God influences us. Guess what? We are able to influence others. The more that we follow after God, I believe the more influence God will allow us to have. And so we steward that influence and we be uh, good influences to others. And as he continues to see that, he begins to reveal more to us, more things that we can learn, more concepts that we can grow upon, more things we can follow after, the more things we pass on to others. I've learned this lesson. Now I'm going to pass it on to you. Light always influences whatever it shines on. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, be not, that you be, may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked 
and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that, it may, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, Philippians 2, 14-16. We are to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We know America is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We have parades, literally, uh, for immorality. We have people running around, and we have Hollywood that boasts on, on immorality, and, and, and drugs are running rampant, and, and we're, we're seeking always to legalize the next uh, big thing. What is, what is something that our world has been longing for and participating in now that we just need to pull back the standard and we just need to legalize this and let our world do it? Hey, listen, just because the world is waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, guess what, Christian? Our hope, our source of light is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that He changes not. So as long as we stay in close proximity to Him, guess what? We won't be changing either. We are to be a stark contrast against the world. We are to shine as lights in a crooked and perverse nation. Number one, light shines. Number two, light signals. It points to or directs. Look at verse number two of Ephesians 5. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savor. Light points or directs. We use lights as signals all the time. We use them for turn signals. Some of you haven't used that in a long time, right? Who's going to be honest, all right? You turn left, you don't even think about hitting that turn signal, okay? Um, We use them for traffic lights. We know when to stop. We know when to go. When it hits yellow, we know when to go even faster. Okay? Traffic lights. We use them for ads. We promote things. We have digital billboards now. Right? Before, I, when I was in Texas, we, uh, we got a deal on a, uh, two, um, two ads. Two uh, big, you know, right on the highway uh, signs. And, uh, and the pastor was just excited. He was like, wow, as soon as people come into our town, the very first sign they're going to see is our church name. Boy, this is great. We get it on both sides, the west side, the east side, and boy, it's going to be great. And we're all excited, and we uh, had built this beautiful sign, and now they put it up. And and I drove by one night, and I was looking out for this sign. I was coming from out of town, I'm coming into town, and I'm driving down the road, and I realized real fast why we got that uh, ad at such a deep discount. There was no light on it, or the light had gone out. And so I'm driving by, I'm looking for this sign. Where is the sign for our church that is right by the highway? And I see just a shadow of the sign. And later that day, I drove by again, and I saw it clear as day. This is a beautiful sign, but unfortunately we couldn't see it at night. So we use lights to advertise things. We use lights for direction. We make sure that uh, whenever there's a street sign or whenever there's a highway exit, we have lights on those that help us to see properly. Light signals. You know, no man naturally seeks after God. 
The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand and seek God. They're all going to sigh. They're all together become filthy. They are, there is none that doeth good. No, not one. But God, who is the light, signals to us. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Jesus is the true light, again, that lighteth every man that comes into the world. If there was no God, if there was uh, no, no light in this world, there would be no hope, there would be no direction for us. Thankfully, God has come to this earth. He has died. He has fulfilled uh, all that He said He would do. And the Holy Spirit still goes forth and directs and shines and helps us to see that we are imperfect. And that leads us right into the next point. Light not only shines, not only signals, but it separates. It contrasts and divides. The next portion of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse number 3 through 8, says this, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that whoremongers nor unclean things, nor covetous men nor idolaters have the inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Or we'll stop there. Light shines, light signals, it points us to God, but light separates. If we are to be light, we are to be opposite of the darkness, right? We are not to participate in the things of darkness. Since the very beginning of our world, light has always produced separation. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God sent them into the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night. Divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Since the very beginning, light has separated what is pure, what is bright from what is dark, what is impure. And, and as, we, uh, as we venture to be better lights, as we seek to look to the true light, the light that lighteth every man, as we get closer in proximity to Him, guess what we're going to find? Imperfections. We're going to find things that we need to clean. Things that we need to get out. Things that we need to, uh, to, to separate from. 
I've uh, moved several times in, in, in my life so far. I moved out to uh, California for college. I moved uh, down to Texas for the first ministry and then moved up here uh, uh, since then. And, and, uh, and every time I, I find that uh, when I leave something in storage or when I put it in a truck to, to get moved, I find a lot of dust likes to collect on things. And there's several times I'll pull out a lamp and I'll plug it in. And I'll say, you know, I don't remember this light. I don't remember this lamp looking like this. And either my wife or myself will grab a rag or something like that and, and we'll wipe it down. The other day we were in our, uh, our uh, hallway and, and uh, the hallway would just look so dark. And I turned on the light and, and I took a, a wet rag and, and, and then turned off the light and, and began to scrub. And when I turned it back on, it, was, uh, it lit up that hallway. I haven't even seen this hallway before. A beautiful hallway. Hey, this is what I got. All right. You know, when we, when we clean things up, we begin to see things differently. You see things more clearly. In this passage specifically of what we just read from Ephesians, I find three elements of separation that all of us should have. They should be in your notes. The letter A, separate in your lifestyle. Fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness. Let it not be named once. Be once named among you as becometh saints. Fornication. Then going to crown this size and the, uh, the, the wide range of, of age groups. We won't belabor this point, but, but our world champions those that are immoral. Our world promotes immorality. And the Bible says that we should never once be named in that crowd. We should never once identify with that darkness. Uncleanness. Covetousness. What does it mean to covet? To want, to desire, to long for, to, to always seek. I encourage you. Every commercial you'll see, you'll see covetousness. You've got to have this. It will change your life. Right, your neighbor gets uh, gets uh, something nice, and you see it. See a new car. That would be nice. I knew a few folks recently. They got a Tesla, and I never liked Teslas. Okay, uh, nothing personal to anything. I, I just I don't know. Whenever it goes 60 uh, miles an hour, I like to hear a nice roar. Right? You don't get that from a Tesla. You just hear. Kind of sounds like Darth Vader, if you ask me. Okay. Um, but they're the powerful cars, and I heard a couple people uh, got a Tesla, and all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, well, gas prices are expensive. Huh? I don't know, maybe. So I, I go and I start looking at these Teslas, and, and uh, spoiler alert, okay, there's no way I could afford a Tesla, okay? So, so don't, don't uh, think that, um, that I was looking to actually buy. It was mainly just to see. I want to see what these, these cars are like. I want to dive a little bit uh, deeper. And, and so in these commercials, they promote covetousness. Uh, our, our flesh longs for, uh, for the next best thing. Apple has perfected this. They put out a new iPhone every single year. And sometimes the, the features don't even change anything, right? They don't, it's, it's, got, uh, it's got a different color. I think this past, uh, this past spring, they put out a new iPhone. Completely same as the last iPhone, iPhone 13. But you should get this one because you can get it in green. Think about it. Army green, yeah. All right? Our world longs for, uh, they, they, they involve in fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. 
We should be separate in our lifestyle. We should be separate in our talk. The next verse says this, Neither uh, filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. What is jesting? Witty vulgarity. When you're in the break room at work, you have somebody that comes to mind. Witty vulgarity. You say something and their perverse mind just real quick shoots it back out. Filthiness. It's hard to even go on social media anymore. I scroll through and I, I, I just try to decompress after work and I scroll through to see some of the events of the day and I can't help but hear vulgar speaking. Words that ten years ago would have been completely bleeped out. Now, you can hear them all the time. Walking with my, my wife and, and my daughter and, and uh, we were down at Silver Sands just the other day and we're walking and I hear these two guys and they're throwing out vulgar language. I was embarrassed. I don't want my daughter, who's four months old, to be that one of the, that's one of the first words she's ever heard. Comes home one day and says, Hey, Dad! Excuse me? Where do you hear that? Man, it's, it's a shame. She's going to hear that. She's going to repeat it. It's not convenient. It's not proper. You know what I find throughout Scripture many times? Is the Bible doesn't just tell us what we should separate against. It tells us what we should separate to. You know, the, the beginning verses that we talked about, walk in love as God. God is the goal. God is the template. God is the model of walking in love. We follow after Him. We take that off. We take off what we think love is, what our world defines as love, and we go back to the Bible and we find God is love. We find in this passage of Scripture that there are things that we're not to participate in in our lifestyle and in our talk. We shouldn't, be, uh, we shouldn't be saying foolish things. We shouldn't be saying filthy things. We shouldn't be jesting. But what the Bible says right after that is that we should be thankful well, that Pastor Lejeune, that was a good message, but when you hear that, just pause and think how unthankful you are that you have such a good pastor. Be thankful to God that He's brought him here. Be thankful to God for the, the great seats that you sit in. Well, these seats, they're okay, but they're too close. Be thankful you have padded seats. Okay? Go back to 1700s. You go up to the First Baptist Church in Rhode Island. I've sat there. Not comfy seats. We've come a long way since then. Amen? Be thankful for the light that you have. We have a beautiful building. we got lights that light everything. There's hardly any shadows in here. Probably could be maybe a little bit better. But I'm thankful. Thankful, right? we got, oh, well, these hymns, you know. Hey, Thankful for hymns. I'm thankful for the screens that we're able to use that helps us to expand our music. I'm, I'm thankful for the pianists that work hard. I'm thankful for the faithful members tonight that chose to come back on a Sunday night when assistant pastor was preaching. I'm thankful for Brother Joe and the sound booth doing a great job working to make sure that the communication is going off cleanly. I'm thankful for the car that got me here. I'm thankful for, and you fill in the blank, we should be always flowing out of us 
thankfulness. And our thankfulness leads to thankfulness. From thankfulness, we think of all of the things that are around us. We think of the good things. We put away the bad things and we say, thank you, God. We've looked a lot about prayer these past few weeks. I think you can find who you are by how you pray. If you go two, three, four, five times praying, the only thing you say is, God, help me for my, help my health, or help my finances, or help my situation. You'll find real quick that you're not a thankful person. If you're praying, you're saying, God, thank you for the beautiful day that you've given to me. Man, it was, it was a little difficult yesterday. We had this little storm come through. God, thank you for keeping me safe. Thank you for getting me in the house and, and being safe so I wasn't on the road. And I didn't get in a car accident. Thank you for the car that got me to and from uh, this place. We, we start thinking, and, and all of a sudden, when we change our mindset, when we put away the filthiness, when we get a, a clean mind, when we look to the light that lighteth every man, guess what? we will find we will be more thankful than we were the day before. We should be separate in our lifestyle. We should be separate in our talk. We should be separate in our message. Separate in our message. Ephesians 5, 6 through 8 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers of them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. I was driving back home one day, and I saw these two young men in white shirts, name tags, black pants, bicycles down on the, uh, on the curb there, walking up to a house. I assumed they were uh, Mormons of some sort. And they're going and they're giving a false message. And we're quick to throw the stone at them. But those guys are passionate about their message. We have a message today that offers us hope. That offers us guidance. Not only for our salvation, but on a daily walk. First Peter reminds us that God hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We don't have to search the Scriptures and wonder, I wonder if God talks about marriage. I wonder if God talks about how I should behave at work. The Bible tells us we, are to, we will find all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, we may not find the word marijuana in our Bible. But we can find concepts that will help lead us, that will help us to know what is right and what is wrong in that area. And we can live by them. We could be confident in that. So we have a separate message. It's not the message of the world that promotes immorality, that promotes filth, promotes uncleanness. Why is it that, that people that get sucked into this worldly message, a lot of times you'll see it in their dress. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Okay? I don't think we need to be walking around in, in suits and ties every single day. But I believe our dress represents to some degree what's going on in the heart. And I've seen many people that have gone to the same schools that I've gone to. Heard the same concepts I heard. And it starts with them asking questions and wondering, well, 
can I really trust the Bible? Is there really a God? All of a sudden, they go from being polished in their speech, and now they're, they're saying filthiness. And, and then it, it carries over into their dress, and now, you know, they got the shorts that are coming down to their, their ankles, right? And their shirts are all unkept, and they're misshaven, and, and, uh, and their breath just smells horrible, and their hair. Just let the hair go. Who cares about the hair? Just let it grow out. Right? I don't believe that our, we should not be judging solely on the outward. Don't get me wrong today. But I believe that there is a correlation between the inward and the outward. And so let's be separate in our lifestyle. Let's be separate in our talk. Let's be separate in our message. The captain of a ship looked into a dark night and saw a light in the distance. Immediately he told his signalman to send a message. Alter your course ten degrees south. He promptly received a reply, alter your course 10 degrees north. The furious captain sent another message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. Soon another reply was received, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman third class Jones. The captain sent a final message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. The reply was, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. We must not try to direct our lives, but yield to the Lord for our direction. Follow after Him, and He will help us to be separate. We don't look to the world and say, well, I'm going to be separate to the world. We look to God, and when we look to God, naturally we will be separate from the world. We are diametrically opposed to Him. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Which leads us to our fourth point tonight. Light shows. Light shows. It provides clarity. It illuminates. Ephesians 5, 9 through 11, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with an unfruitful work of darkness, but rather... Reprove them. As I mentioned, John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The more you and I are shown the light in the Scriptures, the more the Holy Spirit illumines truth from the Scriptures, the more we will be severed from the world, the more we will know what is right and what is wrong, the more we will know what the will of the Lord is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I've counseled teenagers before who say, well, why doesn't God just tell me what I'm going to do? Why won't God just tell me what college I'm going to go to? Well, according to this verse that we just read in Psalm 119, 105, God doesn't say that God's Word is going to light the entire path. The Bible says that thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. But it also is a light unto my path. So this is what the Old Testament context means. When people would walk, again, we don't have lights. We don't have uh, light bulbs and light switches. We have candles. We have candlesticks. We have things that we are to steward. So what would happen is, is the, these Old Testament uh, folks, these uh, people of, of, of yesteryear, would, would take these lamps and they would put them on, uh, on their feet. And what would happen is, is as long as they took that next step, 
the light would shine in that path. And they'd take another step, and the light would shine in that path. And they'd take another step, and the light would shine in that path. When the Bible is talking about this, I word is a lamp unto my feet. It's not a flashlight. It's a lamp. A lamp doesn't shine everywhere. A lamp doesn't reveal everything. But when the lamp is on your feet, it's going to show you whether the next step is a trap. It's going to show you whether the next step is a safe ground. It's going to show you whether it's quicksand. God's Word is a lamp on our feet, and we go forward by faith, trusting Him, being a walking circumspectly, as the Bible says, and He will reveal to us what that next step has in store. And then we can take another step with His light, with His lamp at our feet. And you know what? Keep taking those steps with that lamp. You can pause and you can look back. You say, God, thank you. I'm so glad you didn't show me the snake that was ten yards away because I wouldn't have gone. But you know what? As soon as I got up to that snake, you helped me to see there's a snake there. Time to walk to the side. Go around it. Keep moving. You know what? Sometimes we, we look at our struggles in life. And we look back and we say, wow, it's amazing that God brought me through that. Can I tell you something? If God had told me even four years ago when I was in college that I would have lived in Texas, I don't know that I would have gone through Bible college, right? Texas was terrible. Uh, I mentioned the heat and all the other struggles in Texas and and so, some ministry issues down there, and just some philosophy things. But I look back at it and I say, God, thank you for getting me to Texas. Man, just a northern boy. And now I'm at this great church, White Oak Baptist Church, where I love serving, I love the people, I love the pastor, I love uh, the Lord, what the Lord is doing here at this great work. I'm excited about it. Sometimes if God would have shown us what was ahead, we would have stopped, we would have stalled, we would have said, I'm not doing that. But we get to the end of the path and we look back and say, God, thank you. Thank you for getting me there. Light shows. It illumines. Whereby when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. All truth. All truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whosoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. The final point tonight. Light spreads. We've seen that light shows or light shines. We've seen that light signals. We've seen that light separates. Light shows. Now light spreads. You ever been in a dark room and turn on your light, maybe on your phone, even just your screen prop popping up? I don't care if you have a flip phone, right? How many of you still have flip phones? Come on, be honest. All right, few of you. Hey, there's no problem. No problem with that. I had a flip phone not too long ago, right? You, you put you flip that little little phone up with that little screen. You know what? It's enough to provide a good bit of light because light spreads. Uh, here on Wednesday nights, uh, we we close up usually uh, when when people are. are are done speaking and they're getting out of here and we're closing off the auditorium lights and I usually go up to my office and grab my stuff for uh, for today and come back downstairs and I go back into the auditorium and it is dark 
And you can see, uh, I go out from the auditorium out to this side back door, and it's not far. It's, it's uh, just, a, you know, a good, good distance there. And, and, but what I always do, is I don't rely on my hands, I always pull out my phone. And I just have one little light on my phone, and it guides me and helps me to get from the auditorium door all the way out to the side door and out to my car. I don't need much light. I don't need to turn on all the auditorium lights to see. I know that just by one light, I'm going to get from point A to point B, and it's going to help me. The Bible teaches us that we are the light of the world. There is a purpose for us being the light. You know, I, I, I never will understand this. I don't think any of you will ever understand this. But God could have chosen to spread the light in any other way. He could have spread the gospel through the sky. He could have aligned all the stars in the heavens to literally type out the gospel. And all we've got to do is look up and read it. He doesn't do that. He could verbally speak. A loud voice from heaven. Repent. He doesn't do that. Instead, God entrusts us to be light bearers. To go and spread this light. Uh, to go and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't, it doesn't take much for light to be spread in a dark place. We find in Ephesians 13 and 14, the last portion of our scripture, but all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. For, whosoever, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. To manifest means to make known or reveal something uh, visibly or known what has been hidden or unknown. To show, to share, whether by words or deeds or in any other way. God, as we are lights, asks us, He, he commands us, He commissions us to go and spread the light. To make it manifest to others. Let your light so shine before men. But he doesn't say so you can get all the glory and you can lift yourself up and you can think you're somebody. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. But, listen now, glorify and glorify your Father which is in heaven. By you being a light in a dark world, people will see you. And if you do it properly, if you are fixed on the light that lighteth every man, guess what? They will not see you, but they will see the God that you serve. And in doing so, they will give Him the glory that is due His name. We are to make known the salvation of the Lord. On a dark, stormy night, when the waves rolled like mountains, and not a star was to be seen a boat rocked and plunged near uh, and neared the, uh, the uh, Cleveland Harbor. Are you sure this is Cleveland? asked the captain, seeing only one light from the lighthouse. Quite sure, sir, replied the pilot. Where are the low lights? Gone out, sir. Can you make the harbor? We must or perish, sir. With a strong hand and a brave heart, the old pilot turned the wheel. But in the darkness, he missed the channel. With a crash upon the rocks, the boat was splintered and many lives were lost in the watery grave because the lighthouse keeper had not kept the low lights burning to show the way to safety in the harbor. 
Christians are like the lowlights, directing the people to the Savior. But if we do not show the way, they will die and enter eternity without Christ. Would you think about that today? Who is somebody that is relying on your light that they may see and provide safety? You will provide safety by being the low light, by giving direction, by spreading it, by, by illumining, by, by showing what is wrong and what is right, by, by separating what do you need to do tonight that will help somebody, that will guide somebody towards the light. Unfortunately, I think you and I, we look on the horizon and we see the sun over the horizon. And we think that it's coming up over the horizon. But unfortunately, I believe today that the coming of our Lord and Savior, the the return of Him is imminent and, and that sun is over the horizon, but it is setting over the horizon, not rising over the horizon. We have less days ahead of us than we do behind us. Christian, there is urgency. There are people that are really perishing. There are people that are going to the darkest place known to man, a place called hell, where there is darkness, where there is weeping, where there is gnashing of teeth. Will you spread the light of the Gospel to our community? I'll close with this. A young man was called to be a pastor and had a desire to start a church. Came across a passage in Proverbs 29, 18, the the very verse we, we began with. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The vision, the ability for us to see, is provided by light. Jesus is that light. And He started a ministry and, 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 and wanted this verse to be His theme verse of ministry. With zeal and with knowledge, he began to go soul winning and began to start a church in an area. One by one, he saw convert after convert after convert after convert. And they began to come together and the church was founded in his home and they began to spread and the church got to the point where they could no longer find a place for them to house themselves so they decided let's build a building. They built a beautiful building. Good stretch of property right on the main strip of town and they built a beautiful facility. And on dedication Sunday, the pastor put up on the back wall this very verse, where there is no vision, the people perish. And he preached and said that as long as we keep God the goal, as long as we keep God the center of our light, as long as we begin to share that light over and over and over again, we keep Christ the center, and we spread that light as low lights in our area, we'll see God bless. Years went by and The church continued to thrive and boom and explode and many other expansions began to take place in the property, but that verse in the back wall still remained. Where there is no vision, the people perish. It became the battle cry of that church. The Lord put on the heart of that preacher one day that he's to be a missionary and to take the gospel now not only into his city and into that country, but now to go overseas and to preach in another area. Encourage a church, hey, 
Don't let this be a time where you forfeit living uh, in the light and being low lights in this community. Continue on. The pastor went overseas and, and started another church and, and preached many years and decades. And finally, the, the, the man is older now and he comes back from deputation and, and finds a church in the area uh, of the old city that he used to pastor in. And he said, you know what, I'm going to stop by my old church. I started many decades ago. Just see where they're at today. So the man began to walk down the street one night to the old church building that he saw erected. That at one time he saw booming and exploding. Comes up to the church and he notices rather quickly that the grass is unkept. He notices as he steps forth uh, down, down the, the walkway and, and approaches what was once the front door that now there's boards all the way up on their beautiful glass doors. Curious says, what, what happened to this church? He, he walks around and he tiptoes and, and, and tries to find an opening just to see what that beautiful building once looked like and just to, to reminisce. He finds an open window where once was the nursery and he walks in and he finds this black room. And there's, there's all kinds of, of posters and billboards of movies and, and things like that. And, and he's looking through the music and he finds that the music is, is not the type of music that he would have promoted when he was the pastor. But nonetheless, he shrugs his shoulder and, and thinks maybe this is just, uh, just somebody that, that crept in there and, and was a squatter. And so he continues down the hallway and he looks in each room. And he goes down to the hallway and looks to see what once was their grand coffee area. And he continues down and he sees and reminisces of the, the energy that was once in the room with all of his followers. And finally he reaches the auditorium. The beloved auditorium. He walks in there and he finds the chairs are turned over. He finds that the cross that was once on the front of the church, uh, church auditorium is taken down. He finds the pulpit is laying over on the platform. And he walks up and he sets the platform, sets the pulpit back up on the platform. And mounts that old pulpit that he had mounted decades ago. Sees drums and sees uh, different things that, that just taught him and showed him that, that this church had lost its way at some point. Puzzled and wondering what had happened to this church and why it, at one time it was thriving, now is diminished. He steps behind that pulpit and he looks up on the back wall. And he sees the verse that is much like how he put it up before. But the W, the very first word, has fallen off. And now the verse reads, Here there is no vision. The people perish. Why do Baptist Church, do you have vision for God? Are you willing to take the light of the Gospel are you willing to take the light of our Savior and reflect it and be a low light in this community to share so that when people hear the vision of the Gospel, when they hear the Word of God, they will not perish, but rather they will be able to follow after the Lord and thrive and grow and conquer. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I believe You're dealing with our hearts right now. Help us. Make decisions that are well-pleasing to You. All of us have areas that we've 
struggled in the darkness. We have areas that we've, uh, we've gotten away from you. We've not been separated like we should have. Our mouths are not as pure as they once were. Our lifestyle is not as a Christian should be, as becometh the saints. Father, deal with us right now. May Your Spirit rot and prick our hearts.